Thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. Um, tonight is the men's gatherings, okay, here at the OKC campus and at the Edmond campus. Fellas, you got to come to this, all right? There's really no good football games on tonight. They're all, everybody either has a bye or the Cowboys play at noon. So there's no good games you're going to miss. Don't worry about that. Um, Edmond campus, yours is at 4 o'clock. I'll see you there. OKC, yours is at 530. I'll see you here. I'm going to be live at both of them. I want to spend some time with the men. So we're going to have conversation. We're going to get in circles, and we're going uh, to talk to other men. We're not gonna, it's, we're gonna get, not, not in rows, we're gonna get in circles, all right? So we're gonna get to know each other. So be here tonight, we got food and fellowship for that. So don't miss that, okay? All right, let me jump into today's, today's message. Last week, if you missed last week's message, I urge you to go back and watch it, all right? We, we preached, we talked about circles. Um, we talked about if, if, if I have a heart for this house, that we believe we live in God's presence in gatherings and circles, and we kind of change the way we talk as a church. What we're doing now when we gather in rows, we're gathering. In the early church, they gathered at the, at the temple courts, they all together. But then it also says they got together in homes. And when they're in homes, you're in circles. And we believe, or our core value, is we grow best in circles. We believe, as a church, that we will grow in our faith more so and more impactfully as we get face-to-face with one another, when we are vulnerable with one another, when we communicate with one another, uh, more so, we, we, we believe in the gathering of the saints. The book of Hebrews says to not forsake the gathering of the saints. We're gonna do that. So we, we believe in that. But today I want to, to move into even an, an, another direction as we continue in this series. So this series, Heart for the House, okay? So if you remember last week, we talked about if, if because I have a heart for this house, I'm going to live in his presence, okay? I'm gonna live in his presence. And so uh, last week was live in his presence. This week, we're gonna talk about because I have a heart for this house, I'm going to move beyond myself. I'm going to move beyond myself. Next week, we're gonna get together and we're gonna talk about because I have a heart for this house, this is where I'll be a giver, okay? So I have a heart for this house, because of that, I'm going to live in his presence here. I'm going to do that through gatherings and circles. Because I have a heart for this house, I'm going to move beyond myself. We're going to talk about that today. And because of that, uh, next week, we're going to talk about because I have a heart for this house, uh, this is where I'll be a giver. And then on the very last week, we will take up our heart for the house offering on November the 6th. Last week, I'll tell you the same thing I'm telling you this week. Um, this, take this home with you. Take this home, put it on your fridge, put it in your bathroom, put it in the dashboard of your car. All I'm saying is every time you see this, you're saying, you're asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what would you have me give? What would you have me give? Because I have a heart for this house, because I believe that this is fertile soil, I'm gonna give above and beyond my tithe. I have a heart for this house, and so I'm committed to this. And so take this home, and then we'll bring these back on November the 6th. November the 6th, we'll do worship and communion, and we'll all bring our heart for the house offering. On the inside of this, you can either give a one-time gift. You can also make a commitment to give over the course of the year. 
uh, my commitment to, to God is I want to give this amount over the course of the year. So look at this, pray over this, and bring that back on November the 6th, all right? Today I want to talk about moving beyond ourselves. This is a part of our core. This is who we are. Uh, we always say live, move, be. Live, move, be. Uh, we equip, our vision is to equip people to live, move, and be in the fullness of Christ. Okay, this is, this is why we exist as a church, because we believe that God wants us to live a life to the full. Jesus said, I came so that you may have life, life to the full. And yes, heaven's going to be great, but Jesus is like, hey, you can actually live a life to the full on earth, and this is our pursuit. We want to pursue this, and so live, move, be is what we'd like to talk about. Today, we're going to talk about moving beyond ourselves. The word move in the Greek means this. It means to cause to go a disturbance. I like that. It means that there's going to be something in us that disturbs us. Uh, even during worship today, whenever we talked about, here I am, God, send me. If, if you ever respond to God's call, it's disturbing. Because your trajectory, your thoughts were this way. Something happens inside of you and your response is yes. It means that something disturbed. I had to move my heart. Something moved me. I was moved, and so I responded in that way. I think at the core of being a believer, if you really had to say, what's the number one attribute of being a believer, believing in Jesus? I could sit and make the argument with you, present to you, that I think the word move might be central to being a believer. Uh, when Jesus met, and he, the, what, what we know as the Great Commission, the very first words of the Great Commission is, therefore, go into all the world. There's motion to it. There's movement to it. There's something in us that when we believe in Jesus and when we live a life according to his, 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 his guidance, something in us is compelled to move beyond myself and make it about those around us. And I would present to you that when we move, there's only one way to determine movement. Um, movement is visual. There's something that happens that everyone can see that you're moving. Um, if I tell my kids to go clean their room and they said, Dad, I'm thinking about it. Or I'm planning that out in my head. Or I'm talking about it. I don't wanna see thinking, I don't wanna see talking. I want to see movement. There's something about our response and it's very easy in our Western culture, uh, in, a, in a nation, uh, that, was, that was founded and grounded upon biblical values, and for the most part, we live a very peaceful life. We get to express our, religious, our religions peacefully. There's something about the, this that causes us, if we're not careful, to become very comfortable in that. And we can move from, from going, moving beyond ourselves to more complacency. And what does the church have for me? And what does the world have for me? And this is, this is something that we're called to move past. I wanna use a passage of scripture today to unpack part of this. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. Um, I'm going to read verses 20 through 28. So it says this. It says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons. So, by the way, the, the mother of Zebedee's sons. Who are Zebedee's sons? It's James and John. Okay? So the, the two disciples that we're talking about here is James and John. This is their mom. All right? It says that their mom came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him, him being Jesus, it says, what is it that you want? He said, and she said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left 
in your kingdom. She's trying to get some reserve seating. She's calling ahead, you know. Can I get some reserve seating for my two sons? Jesus says, you don't know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. So James and John are like, yeah, we'll drink whatever you're drinking, Jesus. We'll drink the Kool-Aid, whatever it is you're drinking. We'll have some of it. Uh, Verse 23, Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been appointed or prepared by my father. When the 10 heard this, so the other 10 disciples, they were indignant with the two brothers. They're like, oh my gosh, James and John, are you trying to get us in trouble here? Are you completely lost your mind? It goes on to say, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers and the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Verse 28, just as, he says, here comes the example. I'm not just asking you to do something that I would never do. Jesus is like, let me show you the example. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So I want to talk about this today. I want to talk about moving beyond ourselves, all right? If, if, if I have a heart for this house, that this is the place that I'm going to choose to move beyond myself. I want you to try to picture this. I'm a visual person, so when I read the Bible, I like to picture it like it's really happening. So picture mom, okay? Mom's walking into Jesus, and I picture, I picture the mom all sassy, you know, because she's going into reserve seats for her sons in heaven. And then picture this. James and John are probably walking behind their mom like this. Oh, mom. Seriously, mom, do you have to embarrass us like this? Like, how embarrassing was that? Mom gets down on her hands and knees in front of Jesus. And I got one request, Jesus. These two sons of mine, could they be seated to your right and to your left? And James and John have to be standing behind her like, oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. What do we do here? If you go and study, historians believe that this, this is Zebedee. Zebedee is the father. And when Jesus calls James and John, they're fishing. And if you go back and read this, this account, it says that James and John responded immediately. They left their father, Zebedee, with the servants. Okay, so Zebedee had a staff. Let's think of it this way, okay? So most historians, most theologians believe, it's a little bit of speculation here, but most of them believe that this this family was pretty well off, that they were pretty well off. And so I have to, this is just John, okay? I'm not saying that this is what happened. I'm not saying this is just my opinion. I'm presenting to you that maybe, just maybe, James and John and the mom had a little bit of a sense of entitlement, They'd been used to being treated. Perhaps they'd been used to getting saved seats. I like saved seats. I like to go to a conference and everyone else is scurrying for a seat and I'm like, I got reserved seats, right? Amen on that one. I like reserved seats. But there's this sense of entitlement that you see coming out of this. And I wanna show you this, verse 25. Let me reread this. So this happens. And then verse 25, it says, Jesus called them together. So this happened. He's witnessing this. He gets his other 10 And and he probably drags James and John by the ear over to the group. He says he gets them all together. So what's happening is Jesus is saying this is a teaching moment. I have a value, a core value, that I want to instill in my kingdom, in my people, that are going to go and spread the gospel. They're going to move beyond themselves, and they're going to go and make disciples of all nations. 
So if they're going to go make disciples of all nations, I want to craft these 12, and I want to establish a core value in their life. And it wasn't just for the 12, it was for us. And this is what he says. And I bet you they were in a circle, by the way. It says, and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. He said, this is what they do. It's what they do. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Verse 26, not so with us. He's, he's establishing a value. He's saying, as for me and my house, we will not do this, okay? We will not ask for reserved seating, okay? If you want to be, he goes on to say why. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. He's like, get the spirit of Ricky Bobby out of here. If you're not first, you're last, okay? <laughs> He said, he's, he's, he said, I'm establishing a new kingdom, a new thing, where he says your posture is what matters. The posture of your heart. So if you're taking notes, write this down. The posture, your posture determines your placement. Amen. Now notice that the mom, in the natural, in the physical, was, in the, was on her knees. It said she got on her knees. So to the naked eye, she had a posture of humility, but Jesus was looking past the natural eye, and he was looking at the heart. At the heart, there seemed to be a sense of entitlement. There was, there was a heart issue and the posture of our heart as we come into God's kingdom. And so I, I, wanna, I wanna unpack this a little, bit, a little bit more on this because I really think if you break down all of humanity and it, it, at times in our life, we may get this right, we may get this wrong, but we could really boil it all down to there are those who want to serve and there are those who want to be served. Okay, Our hum, the human side of us wants to be served. Okay, it's very natural. What I'm trying to paint to you is Jesus had a value, he had a core value that we want to emulate in, at Victory Church. So this series is all about our values and who we are, and if you're gonna be a part of this house, we want to emulate this behavior or this posture. And Jesus is showing us what to do. So in Galatians chapter five, verse 16, I wanna show you this tug of war. It's so natural, okay? It's so natural, but inside of us is a tug of war. In Galatians 5, 16, it says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. So he gives these two opposing things. It says, the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh, and they are in conflict with each other. So this is going on inside you right now, every day. The spirit of God that is inside of you is at conflict with the fleshly desires of this world, okay? Constant conflict. It says they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. There's something inside of us that makes us or pushes us to serve ourselves. And Jesus is saying, I understand it. That's the flesh. That's the world, the fallen world we live in. But in this kingdom, we want to be all about serving others. He's establishing a new reign and a new rule in his kingdom. And we want to have that culture in this church. We want to have the culture in that the back seat is the best seat. I thought I'd get some amen from the people on the back row. <laughs> I don't mean physically. I mean the posture of our heart is I don't need to ride shotgun. I'm good with the back seat. I'm good if nobody knows me. I'm good if no one ever notices me because I'm not doing it for accolades. I'm not doing it for that. God doesn't care how wealthy you are. God doesn't care how influential you are. God is like, I'm watching if, you're a, if you have the ability to move beyond yourself. Okay, the greatest among us, Jesus says, 
are the ones who are the servant of all. That's why we reserve the name Dream Team at this church for those who serve. The ones who are serving, we as a church refer to them as, this is the Dream Team. They're the greatest of all time. If you really wanna know what the backbone of this church is, other than Jesus, it sure shouldn't be me, okay? It shouldn't be our worship team. It shouldn't be our facilities. It shouldn't be uh, our, our directional leadership team. It should be those who come to serve, the servants of all. And I wanna, if, you wanna, if you wanna be introduced to some of the, the backbone of our church, let me just introduce you to a couple of them, okay? Uh, Brandy Deming is the backbone of the Oklahoma City campus. Have you met this woman? Oh my gosh. If you have ever been seated at the Oklahoma City campus, at a worship night, at a Sunday morning, at any event, this woman never misses. She's amazing. She's amazing. She's a servant. She's a servant. Um, it, you may not meet them. Uh, he comes to the, to the nine o'clock. Dr. Jean Lenay. Dr. Jean Lenay. At the OKC campus, Dr. Jean Lenay is the most brilliant person in our church. He's got multiple degrees. He speaks multiple languages, French, Creole, you name it, he can speak it. He's written more books than I've even thought about writing. And he's okay being no one. If I didn't point out his name, you would have never known who this man is. And every week he stands at that door back there and opens doors for people. He's the backbone. If you ever go to the Edmond campus, you'll meet a guy by the name of Jeff. Jeff, Jeff Brazel. Jeff Brazel's on the security team. He is there, he's on the safety team, and he is there. If the doors are open, he's there. He's probably wearing a cowboy hat most of the time. And he is just there to serve. He doesn't care if anyone notices him. He doesn't care if, 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 he's, if he's giving a shout out. In fact, he's probably really mad at me for doing this right now. But he's there to serve. Have you ever met Sissy Smith at the Edmond campus? Sissy, you, have, you must meet this woman. Sissy is the hands and feet of Jesus. If you ever meet her at a grocery store, you're going to hear about the gospel of Jesus, whether you're a believer or not. If you're a first-time guest at the Edmond campus, this is probably the first woman you ever met because if you walk in the door, she will beeline to you and make you feel the most welcome of any person ever on, the planet, on planet Earth. If you ever go to our Spanish service, you will, you will meet a couple of people at our Spanish service. You'll meet Tino Perez, who's an usher at our Spanish service, who's faithful day in, day out. You will meet um, Mariela Alvarado, who has, get this, at our, at our Iglesia service, our Spanish-speaking service, this amazing woman has served in V-Kids since 2004. Guys, in V-Kids. These are the backbone of our church. And you know what I think? I think if me and, and Brandy, or me and Sissy, or me and Jeff, or me and Dr. Linnae, if we for some reason were to arrive at the pearly gates at the same time, I think that whoever greets us there, if it's Jesus, if it's St. Peter, I don't know, who, whoever greets us there, I feel like they're gonna look at me and go, oh, hey, John, um, well done, man. Your house is right down the left, it's, to the, it's right over there. We, we, we've got a house reserved for you, it's great. It's amazing, thank you for your ministry. You did a, you did a great ministry on time on earth. And then they're gonna go, he's gonna go, Sissy, Brandy, we're so excited that you're here. Why? Because I received accolades on earth. 
They didn't. When no one knew, when you leave today, Brandy will be here picking up all the trash you leave at your seat. Why? Because she's serving. She's serving the bride of Christ. So, so we, it's, a, it's an honor for us to serve. And so the second thing I want to I tell you is you have a gift. Every single one of you have a gift. Every single one of you have an anointing. You have a gift that is only for you. Okay? What we do with that gift is what matters. Okay, so watch this in 1 Peter 4.10. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve yourself. Huh. To serve others as stewards, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. So that in all things God may be praised, your service is worship. So that God may be praised. Second thing I want you to write down is your proficiency determines your placement. Here's what I mean by that. Your proficiency is what you're good at. You are very proficient, right? It's a gift. Don't get cocky. God gave that to you. Some of you are incredibly administrative. Some of you are great with words. Some of you are great with numbers. Some of you are great with your hands, right? That's a God-given gift. And your proficiency, if you watch close enough, will show you and reveal to you where you should be placed in the body of Christ to serve the body of Christ. And those gifts are for you too, so you can provide for your family, so you can provide for yourself. Those are, that's great. But those gifts are not only for that reason. Your gifts are given to you so that you can serve other people. Paul talks about this in Corinthians. If you really want to unpack what it means to serve the body of Christ, to serve the local church, to serve the bride of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12 is a, is a great chapter you can read that talks about this. In, cha- in verse 1, it says, Now, about the gifts of the Spirit. These are gifts. He says, I do not want you to be uninformed. One translation says ignorant. He says, let me explain the gifts to you. These are gifts from God by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to explain them to you. I'm going to skip through this real quick. Verse 4, Paul explains there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. So one God gives multiple gifts. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, this is to each of us, the manifestation of the Spirit is given, not for yourself, for the common good, for the whole body. So in, in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to his heavenly father. And he says, Father, I pray that they, being us, would be one the way that you and I are one. He's like, I want us to be one body. And then Paul goes into talking about this in 1 Corinthians, that we were the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. We are the body. And each one of us make up a different part of the body. But we're still one. Right? So some of the hands, some of the feet, some of the ears, some of the eyes, some of the mouth, there's all different parts of the body, but we all work together. My hand works on my body, and the main function of my hand is to serve the body, to feed the body, right? To pick up something for the body. My feet work, but not independently. They work in, in unity with the body, but also for the body. My cardiovascular system is pumping right now. Why? To serve the body serve the body. Every one of you have a gift. Every one of you are a part of the body. Now, if you take my hand off and you cut it off and throw it on the ground, my hand is useless. 
Why? Because it's detached from the body. It must be in unity with the body to operate correctly. So, so verse 27 says, now you, this is us, are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So, I found research that the, the Barner Group did, a, did, did research, did a survey in the body of Christ, and they discovered, the stat was staggering to me, they discovered that 87%, please catch this, 87% of Christians do not know what their spiritual gift is. 87% of Christians don't even know what gifts God has given them to serve the body of Christ. That's, imagine if 80% of your body had no idea what, it was, what its function was. Your shoulder is like going crazy over here and your left foot's like, well, let's go this way. It's dysfunctional. We don't come to church to be fed. We come to church to serve and to be my part of the body of Christ. And when you discover your calling, it is the most amazing thing on planet earth. When you understand the gifts and callings that God has for you, both for your life, but also to serve the bride of Christ. Um, uh, Eric Smith is another amazing backbone of our church, one that you will never perhaps meet or even know who he is. He comes to the Oklahoma City campus and he owns a company that does marketing and uh, videography work and, and all kinds of videos and all kinds of things like that. And recently he called our church and he said, look, I have gifts, I have talents, I have a business, I have a marketing business, I do web design, and I just wanna help the church. So something that we had been spending thousands and thousands of dollars on as a church, he's like, hey, I can do that, I'm gifted at this, just let me do it. What's he doing? He's understanding that his anointing, his calling are God-given gifts for him and for him to have a business, but also to serve the bride of Christ. What better gift that you could ever do than to give gifts back to Jesus' bride. Amen? So we're here to serve. We're here to serve. And if you don't, we wanna help with this, okay? We wanna help you discover what this is. Um, sometimes you hear us talk about this, this little course we do called We Are Victory. We Are Victory is not a membership class. We don't do membership here. We Are Victory is all about helping you discover who you are and who we are and how can those two things come together? If you wanna be a part of this house, it, we are victory, we say, hey, this is who we are. These are our core values. These are, this, is our, this is our mission statement. This is, this is why we're here. And there's a lot of great churches that if we're not a good fit for you, go find another church, that's great. But at this house, this is who we are. And then we give you a spiritual giftings test. And you will discover what your top five gifts of the spirit are. And then you could say, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I was gifted in that way. And then we help couple you with a department or an area of our church where you can live out your service to the body of Christ. And it's an adventure, you know? You might try something for a week and you'd be like, okay, that's not it. Okay, well, let's try this one over here. And it's a, you know, it's a discovery process. But you discover who you are, what your gifts are, and how you can serve the body of Christ. It's beautiful. And in a little while, we'll, we'll dismiss. And if you've never done this, you need to go to this course. It's only two weeks long, okay? You commit to this. You can sign up for these in the lobbies at both campuses and just go on a discovery, trying to discover who you are, what your calling is, what your giftings are, and how you fit in the body of Christ because we need your gift, okay? 
Right now, the church globally and our church is 20% of people doing 80% of the work. This is the body of Christ, okay? In serving and giving, I'll just be real blunt, 20% give 80% of the money. 20% serve 80% of the needs. This is not a picture of the early church. The early church, they were madly in love with the church, they were madly in love with each other, and they were serving coming together, all right? So consider, if, you, if, this, if God has given you a heart for this house, consider saying, this is where I'm gonna choose to move beyond myself. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start this process, start this journey, and see where God would have me fit in. One last point. Point number three, this is a fun one. To be the goat, come as a sheep. If you don't know what goat stands for, it stands for the greatest of all time. So to be the goat, come as a sheep. Let me show you this passage. Matthew 25, 31. This is Jesus' words. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. This is kind of giving a picture of end times. It says, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. So everybody got it? Sheep are on the right, goats are on the left. It says, then the king will say to those on his right, he's gonna speak to the sheep. He's gonna say, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. That's beautiful. It means that the place for you for eternity has already been prepared. Here's why. He says, this is why you can come in. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous, the sheep say this back to him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did, when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or, or needing clothing clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Verse 40, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. He's saying, I saw you move beyond yourself and serve those around you. And when you did that, you were actually serving me. Why, why can you say that? Because the church is the bride of Christ, right? Church is the bride of Christ. Whenever you got married, the preacher that was doing your marriage said, and the two shall become one. So, so now watch, watch, watch what happens. Then he will say to those on the left, these are the goats, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for a devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not come look after me. Then also, they will also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger and needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He replied, Whatever you did for whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Um, I 
love gifts. Like, who doesn't love a good gift? It's amazing. You know what I like more than a gift? Um, I actually, it touches my heart way more when someone gives my wife a gift. Like, that touches me in ways that I can't even begin to describe to you. Because everybody, everyone knows who John is, but very few people know the Michelle that I know. And so when people give Michelle a gift, I'm just like, oh, yes, because we're one. So when you give her a gift, you're giving me a gift, right? Now, in Scripture, the church, us, our gatherings, is referred to as the bride of Christ. Now, I want you to think about this. You have a gift to give. When you bring your gift and you bring your gift to the church, you're actually giving a gift to Jesus' bride. And Jesus loves it when his bride is blessed. What a privilege it is to serve. How easy it is to lose sight of this. I'm guilty. We're busy, we're busy. We got a lot going on, I get it. One of the greatest privileges we can ever live out on this earth is the privilege and honor that it truly is to look at the bride of Christ and to look at those that, need to, that are apart from the Lord and to say, how can I serve you? How can I be a part of serving you? And this is the beauty of Jesus. Is Jesus, Jesus didn't say, hey, all y'all go do this without modeling it himself. He modeled it himself for us to look at. And he finishes this story in this way. He says these words in Matthew 20, verse 28. He says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's all about serving others, others. One more quick verse in Hebrews chapter six, verse 10. It says, God is not unjust. Please catch this. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped who? His people. His people. And continue to do so. He won't forget when you help his people, when you serve his people. That's when he is moved with compassion. That's why our core value, one of our core values, is we are built on the service of many, not the talent of the few. If this church ever begins to revolve around me, I will leave. I will leave. This church is built on us coming together as one, serving together as one, giving together as one. Okay? We serve one another. We serve one another. We give to one another. That seat that you're that that seat that your tushy is comfortable in right now, someone paid for that. Someone came before us. Someone came before I was the pastor here and built this beautiful building that we get to sit under. People sacrificed decades ago so that we could be a part of this house. It is us who now sacrifice so that generations can come after us and be a part of something that God wants to do in the future. We get to steward that. We get to steward this. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. 
If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.